I'm just cruising around this morning. I'm sneezing up a storm. <laughs> and I see somebody tweet out. By cruising around, he means on. he was on Twitter. <laughs> yes, I was on Twitter. And I see somebody uh, post this link from... Uh, or this video from CNN. So, so let's take a look here. Senator Amy Klobuchar. She raised a million dollars in the 24 hours following the debate, but right now, the only number that matters to her is 99. That's the number of counties in Iowa. That's the number of counties she's pledged to visit before the caucuses in February. And before a Senate impeachment trial, of course, could pull her off the trail. With 6% support among voters in Iowa right now, up from 3% in September, is Senator Klobuchar hitting her stride? If she is, can she make up a lot of ground in a short amount of time? CNN's Kyung La went to Iowa to find out. The Midwest is not flyover country to me. I live here. I hope you saw the debate. Senator Amy Klobuchar believes now is her upswing. The Minnesota moderate crisscrossing 27 counties in Iowa. Hurry up. Get on the bus. From rural to suburban venues. We have 40-some days left. We have this incredibly important impeachment hearing. I don't know when I can come back. As the Senate trial looms and the clock ticks. Thank you, everybody. This will be our 79th county. Inside the Klobuchar campaign, their come-from-behind strategy is to meet Iowans face-to-face. -face. It's one of the one counties of the that County, Obama counties. won and then Trump won. And chip away at the more moderate candidates polling higher. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I am... I... I why didn't they invite me to drink eggnog under the tree <laughs> with Amy Klobuchar? Yeah. So, uh, where do you even start with that? What, what's the date today? Uh, I believe it is December 23rd. And when the anchor said right now, <laughs> Amy Klobuchar is at 6% in Iowa, what was the date on that poll? November, it was through the 13th, right? Yeah, November 9th, 9th through, through the, the 13th. 13th. So CNN is presenting a poll from 40 days ago um, to essentially prop up Amy Klobuchar, um, Amy Klobuchar, who's as bought off as Joe Biden and Pete Winecave Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, who actually li literally lobbied so that frozen vegetables, the s frozen pizza, excuse me, the sauce in frozen pizza would be classified as a vegetable right. in order for frozen pizza to remain in school cafeterias. Because one of her donors was a big frozen pizza uh, maker, whatever. So it's unbelievable to me because there's there's literally been, I mean, I don't know how many polls, but you have to think there's at least been a couple dozen polls since November 13th right. in and Iowa. In, polit in the Democratic primary, that's a hundred years. <laughs> right. And CNN is using a poll from early November, not only to prop up Amy Klobuchar, but to make it look like Bernie's in fourth place. Right. And she says, right now. Well, I don't know. Right now, this is the last poll I found from Iowa. Um, doo -doo -doo. Iowa, Democratic poll. Buttigieg 24, Bernie 21, Warren 18, Biden 15. Klobuchar's at 4% in the, in the most recent Iowa poll. Well... 
They just said, right now, meaning 40 days ago, she's at 6%. Well, in reality, she's at 4% right now. Now, if you want to look at the average of polls, to be fair, uh, this is the average of polls from Iowa. She's at 6%. So we see what they're doing. They're trying to prop her up. Right. They've done this for Kamala. They've done this for Beto Stand on a Bar Buttigieg, uh, Beto (laughs) O'Rourke. They've done this for all of them. Uh, They've certainly done this for Elizabeth Warren. Um, Mm -hmm. But what's incredible to me, you know... Maybe they just made a mistake. Maybe they right. didn't. Maybe maybe they didn't look at when that poll was from. Um, you know, it's the holiday season. They're not really paying attention. Everybody's checked out. But literally, like when I tweeted out about the first segment, mm-hmm. I, I I had CNN on in front of me, and they did it again. They replayed it. They literally replayed the same thing. So let's look at the second instance uh, where they're. Basically using polls from 40 days ago. It's like a, it's like, um, what do you call that? Two for one. They get to lie about Bernie Sanders support, but also make it seem like there's some huge movement out there for yeah. Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> the, uh, the big old Amy Klobuchar support group. Uh, Colin said it, Colin's wonderful graphic making. Amazing. He, if there's a Pulitzer Prize for graphic making, yeah, I think Colin, Colin deserves it. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, CNN, it's like the no smoking sign over Bernie and angels for, for Klobuchar. <laughs> so let's, let's take a look at the second one uh, that they distorted here. Uh, this was, I think, the next hour on CNN today. In the last Iowa poll from the Des Moines Measure CNN poll, uh, it showed Klobuchar at about you know, the fifth place still... You know, there's still time, of course, but she's made some inroads, but still behind. How does she, Olivia? How does she make the? You know, she's trying to appeal to them in the moderate lane, of course. Biden is trying to do similarly. How does she distinguish herself from Biden as she appeals to those voters? Well, that's a really good question. But the first, the first part of the answer is she's a woman. She's younger. Um, she is not Joe Biden, who's been in politics for decades and decades and decades and decades. Um, clearly, going after a lot of earned media in in Iowa. Um, she did have a good debate. She did. She punctuated a lot of ranchers with a good one-liner. She was, it was a memorable debate. It was a better debate overall because we no longer had 3,500 candidates on stage. Um, but but to uh, to capitalize on all of that, I mean, you can hear it when she goes when she's campaigning. She asks people, "Did you see the debate? Do you remember the debate?" How do they live with themselves as as journalists or reporters? First of all, they say in the last Iowa poll, in the last CNN Des Moines Register Iowa poll, CNN you. reports other outlets polls every day Mm -hmm. so why is it that they are reporting a poll from 40 days ago that shows amy klobuchar at six percent but the real reason they're doing it is to show bernie sanders in fourth place when the most recent polls i mean i just showed it to you but this is the average of all of the iowa polls right here Bernie, I mean, that's margin of error right there. Pete Winecave, Buttigieg, 22%. Bernie, 20 Biden, 18 Warren, 16 and, and Amy all the way back at 6 And frankly, I mean, we've been reporting about it for months. I don't put a lot of stock in, in all of these polls. Right, I'm, not, I'm no. not a polling truther, but mm-hmm. particularly a lot of these polls, like wildly oversample older voters, very much undersample younger voters, and voila, Bernie's in fourth or fifth, and, you know, Biden is way ahead. Mm -hmm. So 
It's all so different. Iowa polls are different than New Hampshire because it's a caucus and it's a lot more unpredictable. So to yeah. me, it's really 50-50 right now. Uh, if, the, if the caucus were held today, I think it's basically between Buttigieg and Bernie. That poll, now we know because they did it hour after hour. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're not making a mistake. They're just like, hey, what's a poll that makes Amy Klobuchar look good and Bernie look bad? Right. They go through the old polling and like, all right, this one has Bernie in fourth and Amy at six. It's from early November, but who's going to notice? I mean, honestly, I'm very I've always been hesitant to like compare CNN and MSNBC to Fox News because obviously Fox News is a whole different animal. It's racist. It's I mean, they just literally exist to just scare the living hell out of racist white man sitting on a porch. But CNN, I mean... It's becoming like Fox News in the propaganda and the mis the, the the lies. I mean, at least even though CNN is propaganda, like this whole like faking poll numbers, which they've done a lot yeah. this campaign. This whole like putting up polls from forty days ago to make it look like Bernie's in fourth, even though I mean, I just showed you he's in second on the average of the polls. It's ridiculous, and honestly, so I tweeted it. Not that, I mean, I know the DNC isn't really neutral, but why is anyone not demanding that the DNC, why is the DNC allowing CNN to host another debate? Right, after they should be discredited <laughs> for what they do. I mean, you you mentioned it. This isn't the first time that something like this has happened. They, even when they post current poll results, they'll put Bernie's correct number, but put him way down in the list, or they'll put Bernie's number incorrectly they screw it up so regularly that it is not a mistake. They're doing this on purpose. And I'm actually curious to know if they will be forced, because the tweet, the tweet you put out about this got a lot of traction. So I wonder if they'll address it <laughs> if, if enough people put pressure on, which I guess they won't. I mean, even Bernie's campaign has pointed out this propaganda with polling over Ber- time. Bernie's campaign actually text messaged me, uh, somebody from his campaign, and mm-hmm. said, are you sure this is today? I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I just clicked it. Right. So I don't know if they're doing it. I mean, I know, like, Nina Turner, uh, the Puerto Rican mayor, mm-hmm. uh, Carmen, Carmen Yulin Cruz. Cruz tweeted it. Um you know, it's kind of, if you're their campaign, what do you do? Like, this is not new. Your your main focus is organizing door knocking. So are you really going to spend the resources to, like, go after CNN? Right. But to me, it, putting aside Bernie for a second, like, I know, obviously, everybody loves Bernie. As do we? Oh, we, oh don't, we don't have a little Bernie. We, we don't have him here. <laughs> but to me, this is about more than Bernie. This is just like, I, 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 I got this tweet because I think it points it out better than I could. Um. Somebody tweeted this. CNN and MSNBC are engaging in outright election interference or they're just completely incompetent. My guess is the former. I mean, all we've heard for the last three and a half years is the Russian boogeyman is coming. Mm -hmm. The Russian boogeyman is brainwashing people in uh, Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania and Ohio. And our, our democracy is at grave risk and yada, yada, yada. I mean, what has more of an impact on interfering? Uh fake Russian Facebook pages and that kind of stuff or like a network that gets probably 10 to 15 million viewers a day Mm -hmm. just lying about polls right at least put the polls up right and then do your propaganda (laughs) you know but I think that person was spot on this is 
uh, interference. It's Mm -hmm. unethical. It's not journalistic. And then it's amazing to me because it's it's really a form of gaslighting. Because then when supporters of Bernie Sanders, obviously supporters of Tulsi Gabbard, have gone after the corporate media for their treatment of her, then when these, these supporters go after CNN, they say... Oh, those Bernie bros with their conspiracy theories. Mm -hmm. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's right there. And let me tell you, I worked at MSNBC for a year. I worked at Fox News for two and a half years. Uh, These are not the producers there, uh, the executives there. They're they're not like Joe Schmoes. These are educated people. Yeah, you make mistakes in a 24-hour news station, but they know what they're doing. Um, And I think, honestly, no wonder... If you look at Bernie Sanders' biggest weakness, it's people 65 and older. Right. No wonder people 65 and older won't even give him a second look when all they get, because that's who watches CNN, uh, that's, you know, the cable news viewer is mostly an older person. Um, No wonder that he's so weak among younger voters when you have these networks really serving as public relations people. I mean, first it was Kamala. Mm -hmm. CNN did a town hall with her. Within 24 hours of her announcing, it was like a pillow. It was like a pillow party. It was so <laughs> soft. Uh, Kamala didn't really take off at first. So then they, you know, showed uh, Beto standing on top of bars. Oh my gosh! Uh, Beto kind of flatlined. So then they pivot. Then they were like, "Oh, thank God, Biden's in." Uh, but then Biden couldn't construct full sentences. So then they were like, "All right, we'll just make Warren. You know, we'll do. We'll just prop up Warren." I mean, the amount of free advertising that all these candidates have gotten from CNN. And now Amy Klobuchar, who, I mean, at least she's honest. She's like, no, we can't. That's her slogan. No, we can't. Um, She's been on tape saying like, well, she's very, she's right wing. I mean, she, she says things like, well, everybody wants everything for free. You know, she just sounds like you're like really annoying aunt um, (laughs) who is just, you know, right wing. I mean, there's no other way to say it. You're never going to see this on CNN. You're never going to see this on MSNBC. I got this from an activist uh, yesterday. You and I were like, you know, we're twisting ourselves on a pretzel to try and figure out how to tweet it, but it wasn't working. Yeah. So uh, apologies that it's so small, but at least you could hear it. This was activists yesterday uh, in South Bend uh, getting together to basically lash out that under Pete Buttigieg, homeless people are literally freezing to death. They're freezing to death in South Bend, Indiana. It's unbelievable. Let's take a look. It's not worthless. Absolutely. They're worth just as much as you, you, the people with the cameras, the people with the signs, myself. They are worth much more than this. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to back down. When I wake up in the morning tomorrow, if I sleep, I'm going to continue my journey and trying to help this city. What are y'all going to do? You got one choice. You get one chance. They're smart in there. You get one chance. You make a shot, they'll cover it up. If you lose, you lost. You can't make that same attempt twice. Look at the hope. You get one chance. Where's the hope in that? You got to quit job in order to get in there and then hope you can find another. Gotta work together. These amnesties, they're opening up over here. Well, we'll give you stuff over here. I've got word on somebody, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna release a name, but they've been manipulating the materials being donated to them. And that is sickening. 
I'll be to see you soon. I can't wait till these holidays are over. Oh. Amen. This is not a game. Just giving a homeless man or a woman $10 doesn't do nothing. If you feel good about that, you shouldn't have a home either. Give them a way out. If you sit here like we've been sitting here, myself included, thinking talking is going to change something like this, I did this so we could gather. She did this so we could gather. This team did this so we could gather because we're tired of watching nobody gathering. There's so much pride and ego. This is how you help. Tell me what anybody out here that can correct me, please do so. What does your pride do for the homeless? Nothing. What does your ego do for the homeless? Nothing. So you don't like the way somebody moves. So what? Are they helping? If they're not helping, that's when you don't bother them. If they are helping, why would you criticize them? Why would you not just help them? But instead you got people over there with their, with their laughing and they're telling you, oh, you're not doing this right, you can do it better this way. Show me! Show me! I'm tired of watching you talk! Show me! Where are they? Where are they? I don't see nobody down here, but in reality, I didn't see anybody down here for that man when he was dead. So my thing is, we are here now because he died. Do not let him be the last one. If he's got to die like that, they shouldn't have homes either. But who's paying them, man? Don't make him the last one. If he's got to die like this, they should be homeless too. So my thing is, if he's going to be the last one, then make it be that. Wake up tomorrow, make that the goal. Don't wake up tomorrow, oh, I attended this uh, event yesterday, we feel great. So uh, that was a bunch of activists that I uh, met and I interviewed a lot of them while I was there in South Bend because a homeless man, 44-year-old man, who, by the way, city officials, Pete Buttigieg is still the mayor of South Bend. His ter- he's, he, li- his, he will not be the mayor January 2020. So right now he's still the mayor, even though he's never there. Um, the city officials saw this man, uh, uh, whatever the day was, the day before they they picked him up, and they didn't approach him. They oh yeah, he's just sleeping on a bench in th- in twenty two degrees. Yeah, he's just sleeping outside in twenty two degrees. He was already dead. They didn't even go up to him. And he's forty four. And from what I have heard, because honestly, you know this. You don't get the truth from local officials. You get the truth from activists who are living this day to day. This is not the first person who was froze to death under Pete Buttigieg's administration. And this man wants to be president. He can't even figure out how to get, how to competently set up a daytime amnesty um, program for the homeless. So right now, the homeless in South Bend, Indiana, where... I was just there during the day. It, 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 right now, it's getting down into the 20s. And that wind chill from Chicago, the Windy City, ain't no joke. Um, right now, the homeless from, I believe, the hours of 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., so the full day, really don't have anywhere to go. They used to go to a public library, uh, but that public library and the block that the public library is on is being, it's under construction now. Great idea to construct the public library where the homeless used to go uh, during the freezing winter. Uh, so Pete Buttigieg's administration's brilliant idea was to set up, to, to 
set up a building six miles down the road and give them a bus pass. Yeah, so let the homeless get on a bus with all of their belongings to go six miles down the road. Like, that's some simple thing. If you've ever been homeless, all of your things, it's not, it, it, it's a lot. You're going to go to a bus. You have to first go to the bus stop, wherever that is, and then bring fit essentially all your belongings on a bus. It's not practical. And Pete Buttigieg, like our story where we found that his officers were arresting a black, while arresting a black man, were basically mimicking a scene from Django where Klansmen were um, basically preparing to lynch Jamie Foxx. Mm-hmm. He hasn't commented on that. Nope. He didn't say a word publicly about this homeless man that froze to death under his administration. I don't want to be unfair because obviously there's a lot of thing that goes into it. It's not all his fault. Homelessness in America is not his fault. But you are the leader of the city. People are freezing to death and you don't say a word. Right. Am I missing something? No, you're not. And if you... Uh... We'll post the link to this or you guys can find it. But when Jordan interviewed a lot of these activists in kind of a roundtable, some of these people are, I I mean, all of these people that were in this particular group are the most active in helping the homeless in South Bend. And a couple of what it seemed like were the most active have never had a meeting with, with Pete. Uh, have never been invited to come speak about the homeless. And these are people who work with them all the time. I think there were a couple of people who said, yeah, we have had meetings with with Pete about this, but he hasn't done anything. So as you say, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not like Pete is out there, like taking people from their homes and leaving them on the street. And, and... Well, <laughs> some, well, that's true. In, in the some thousand, cases. The thousand, uh, thousand home demolishment. That's true. Um but there's there's a lot that goes into it. It is systemic, but he hasn't done by what seems like all accounts. He has not done anything. And the, yeah, just before we move on to the clip in particular, I don't know if you want to. Well, what I was going to say is this is it's about more than Pete and it's about more than the homelessness. It's about economic terrorism. For those of you that watch, I try not to use the phrase gentrification. I think it's bland. I don't think most people who aren't political diehards like you and me really know what gentrification sounds is. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the term single payer before Medicare for all. Uh, single payer, people didn't really get it. It didn't catch on because it was kind of bland. Then you call it Medicare for all and like, oh, yeah, I want that. So I think right. gentr- part of the issue of people aren't taking gentrification as a crisis is I think the phrase is kind of bland. I think it's more like economic terrorism. And if you think I'm being dramatic, go try and live in some of these communities that are being gentrified. Mm -hmm. So when I was in South Bend for, I mean, we could only afford really four days and thank you for helping us fund it. What was very clear right from the beginning was Pete Buttigieg, and he's not the first person to do this, like a laser focused on the east side of town, which was downtown. He... Before he became mayor, it was like a ghost town, you know, not a lot of activity in downtown. So what did he do? He promised, you know, tax abatements, meaning businesses that come, you don't have to pay taxes. He basically sold the city to his donors, the real estate developers, and just from tax abatements to other sweetheart deals, come. And he was successful. 
He got, you know, nice restaurants from Chicago to come downtown. They opened up like a chocolate factory. Um, You know, he built wonderful, totally unnecessary statues that he put in roundabouts that he he built. But all all you have to do, you know, the media, the corporate media, and they've done this. They write articles, how Detroit came back, how this place came back. Yeah, five blocks has come back. That's not economic development. That's economic oligarchy. So Pete Buttigieg successfully revitalized five blocks where the majority of the citizens cannot afford to go and buy anything. That's not leadership. That is ethnic cleansing. Because when you beautify and, and sell the city out to, so you could develop downtown, it raises all the prices. Mm-hmm everywhere else. And guess what? When you when you um, give away the store, when you don't make businesses that come in pay taxes for a decade, then you cut services elsewhere because you need revenue. You need to cut services or do something to get the budget in line. So what did he do? You cut services in black and brown black and brown communities. I drew, he did this 1,000 houses in 1,000 days, and he, phrased, he, he sold it as we have such bad blight, we have abandoned homes throughout South Bend, homes where roofs are falling in and, and so decrepit. And, you know, there's truth to that. There was a lot of homes that were falling apart, not because these were deadbeat homeowners, because they couldn't afford to repair them. But instead of investing city money in repairing these homes, what did he do? He, he heavy-handedly uh, did code enforcement to bulldoze these homes. Now, the south side of South Bend, the west side of South Bend, it's literally just empty lot after empty lot after empty lot. And a lot of these empty lots look like a forest. And But he's billed as bringing South Bend back. Who did he bring South Bend back for? I mean, I know you weren't there, but like I'm asking you. Who did he bring South Bend back for? Who is Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel brought Chicago back for? You know, he beautified the Riverwalk and downtown. Who is it back for? Affluent white people. Who has uh, Mike Dugan and um, Dan Gilbert beautified Detroit back, Detroit for? Who has he brought Detroit back for? Affluent white people. If you drive away from downtown in any of these cities, it's like the Hunger Games. It's like, um, you know, an episode of The Walking Dead. And the media doesn't cover it because what do they care? They live in their nice houses and apartments in New York and D.C. Yeah. Just you can hear the passion in his voice, but also the complete frustration of how no one in power is doing anything. And you can tell, I think that he was a very powerful speaker and very convincing. And if more people could hear his message and could hear what's going on in in South Bend and elsewhere, then more pressure would be put on people like Mayor Pete to take action. But CNN's too busy playing angelic clips of Amy Klobuchar. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, I just it's it's really sad to me that uh, they these people feel like that they're at the end of their rope, that there's nothing that can be done. But they get out there and they work every single day to try to help the homeless. That, I think, is is what 
I mean, that's what this is all about. I mean, it's the holiday season or whatever, but these people do this all year round. They dedicate their lives to this. And Mayor Pete and his friends can't be bothered to do anything at all. They'd rather be in a wine cave. And what you're going to see this because uh, we drove around and we have such great footage. We actually might make it into like a little mini documentary. But not only to get businesses to come in, does he basically say, you don't have to pay taxes. Here's... We'll pay you to come here. Not only that, but in the black and brown part of South Bend, they're literally Judge's administration paid businesses to leave. He paid business after business after businesses to leave, to go seven miles down the road to a city called Mishawaka. Why are you paying businesses to leave black and brown communities? Well, there's a few reasons you do that. Number one... You want to starve them of services. Yep. Number two, you actually want to um, divide the voting block because when you're demolishing homes in black and brown communities, when you're paying businesses to leave, then guess what? People leave. And that, then you have things like 8% voter turnout in South Bend because residents leave. Businesses are leaving. It, it's just disgusting. Um, Just what America wants, more peace. No, I mean, it's not every day. It's in writing, pay for play. Oh, my gosh. This story drives me bananas. Why don't, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell the viewers about this, Jen? <laughs> so Axios of all, I was actually really surprised that Axios, I don't know how to actually work this, that Axios put this story out because they tend to be pretty corporate, you know, I thought they'd be kind of Team Pete. So Pete... You know, they say, oh, the the money doesn't influence him. It makes no difference at all. Well, here's what Axios got their hands on. In a recent email exchange with a wealthy, wealthy prospective donor, a top fundraiser for Democratic presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg made an offer that was unusually blunt, even by modern pay-to-play standards. What they're saying If you want to get on the campaign's radar now before he is flooded with donations after winning Iowa and New Hampshire, you can use the link below for donations. The fundraiser, HK Park, wrote in an email to the donor, which was reviewed by Axios. So that's the, uh, if you think about that, Jordan, like if we just stop there and look at this line, if you want to get on the campaign's radar now, there there you go. I mean, they, they put it in writing. What... What else? What are they trying to do? They're they've actually responded. I don't know if you pulled well, out. Well, actually, response. actually, uh, the donor himself who had this email, this pay for play sent to him. Well, yeah, I was actually yeah. offended. Yeah, he was. So the prospective donor, and I guess we'll get to the campaign's reaction after. But the prospective donor, hold on one second, um, was disturbed by the solici- solicitation. It's very telling and concerning that one of the campaign's major bundlers would talk like that, said the donor, who asked not to be named. What would this suggest about the way he's going to interact with Silicon Valley if the implication is pay-for-play? If that's the way he's operating, the donor added, it's in the public interest for people to know what's being said. And the campaign responded, the campaign did not see or authorize the language in this email, Hmm. but it is ridiculous to interpret it as anything more than asking potential supporters who may be interested in Pete to join our campaign before caucusing and voting begins. 
We're proud to have more than 700,000 donors who have already donated to our campaign. And the only promise any donor will ever get from Pete is that he will use their donations to defeat Donald Trump. Yep, 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 yep. So I could tell you because I was just in South Bend reporting. uh, This guy sold the city to his donors. He sold the city to developers. Let's decode what that phrase actually means. If you want to get on the radar now before he wins Iowa and New Hampshire. What that really means, because, you know, there's coded language, is we'll remember you were there early. Yep. We'll remember you were there for us early, meaning you're going to get your you're going to get paid back first. That, that's what that means. I mean, that is how politics works. If you give us the money now before he wins Iowa and New Hampshire and before, you know, uh, before he's president, if you're like an OG, basically. Right. If you're an OG, we'll make sure you're paid back and then some early. And first of all, when they say we didn't authorize this, well, campaigns authorize certain wealthy individuals to go out and try and raise money on their behalf. They're called bundlers. Pete Buttigieg didn't want to release the list of wealthy people that were uh, raising money for him. And then after he released the bundler list, oh, they left out... Oh, forgot some. (laughs) They left out 20 of them. So the point is, yeah, maybe you didn't like read the email the bundler is sending, but you do authorize these individuals to communicate on behalf of your campaign. Right. And if that wealthy person is speaking like that, maybe there's already a culture in your campaign of pay for play. I mean, the guy is literally, and you know, I love, I love the Washington Post and all of these entities like rushing to the defense of these, these the proletariat hanging out in wine caves. <laughs> yes, we understand that wine due to the temperature needs to be stored underground. We get that. <laughs> we, got it. we get that. But it's not about the fact that it's in a underground bunker. It's the extravagance of it all. There's 150 crystal chandeliers. The table looks like great Game of Thrones at a mm-hmm. castle. You have to to be there. It most of them had to max give max donations. He's not. You know, I love how somebody who was there was like. Um, well, in reality, it wasn't $900 bottles of wine. It was $158 bottles of wine. Well, most people can't afford $20 bottles of wine, let alone right. 157 So it's just the more that comes out about this empty hologram, the more I get infuriated because the media is the entity that made him into a front runner in the first place. Oh, yeah. He's a total media creation. Um, just created from the ground up, media and beyond. But now the media is really propping him up. I don't understand how these people don't get it. When you criticize the wine cave, when you criticize these bundlers, when you criticize this direct evidence of pay for play, how they dismiss it. Because Obviously, money has influence. We can all agree with that, or or we should <laughs> all agree with that. But also, you become, I think in a lot of cases, or most cases, or all cases, you become what you're surrounded by. So if you're constantly surrounded by wealthy, wealthy people who only have their best interests at heart, when you're never around real people, the real grassroots, 
you lose sight of what's important. So maybe on the off chance that Pete Buttigieg ever had a decent bone in his body and ever actually cared about anything, um, I think that's gone. So you have him constantly surrounded by rich people, constantly taking the money of rich people, and directly via a bundler um, making making a play for pay for play. It's uh, it's not looking good. And by the way. This is part of the reason that I would be concerned if Warren is the nominee against Trump, because if, let's say, Bernie was the one who, during the debate, brought up his wine cave stuff, it would have really, really damaged Pete Buttigieg. But because Warren has done a lot of the same fundraising, maybe not in a wine cave, but Martha's Vineyard, Silicon Valley, wealthy, wealthy uh, fundraisers during her Senate campaign. She then transferred $10 million from that wealthy fundraising over to her presidential campaign. It kind of like canceled out yeah. her attack on Pete because he turned around and was like, well, you do the, you've done the same thing. So that's why I think Warren going up against Trump, yeah, Trump, you're corrupt. Trump could just be like, well, you've done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So it just muddies the water. But to me... Pete Buttigieg, it's just shocking to me. Like, you have people like Kevin Costner hmm. endorsing this empty, privileged vessel. Come on, Field of Dreams. Bernie did a Field of Dreams event. He should be with Bernie. I mean, you have... <laughs> I don't even like... Who are these people endorsing this person? Why? What are you seeing in this person? Like, being a Harvard graduate, a Rhodes Scholar, that's great. That doesn't mean... That doesn't mean that you understand the plight of the working man and woman. doesn't mean that you understand, or frankly, in Buttigieg's uh, case, gives a shit about poor black and brown people. Um, he is not. You know, and by the way, by the way, it's not just Pete. Like, I am sure those emails are flying around in the Biden campaign, too. Mm-hmm. I am sure the same things were being talked about for Kamala. I am sure Amy Klobuchar, they might not be written in emails because not everyone's so stupid. Right. (laughs) But this is how these wealthy uh, Democratic Party politicians who are servants of Wall Street, who are servants of special interests, this is how they play. This is how Nancy Pelosi has played. And by the way, just to be clear, the Republican Party does it times 10. It's both parties. They're Mm -hmm. all bought off. Uh, regardless of what I think about TYT now, Jank always had it right. This is a legalized, this is legalized bribery. This is a legalized auction, our country. That's the problem. And money is the root of all evil. Evil. Why is nothing done on climate, uh, the climate crisis? Because of this stuff like this. Yeah. Why is nothing done about police brutality? Because of stuff like this. Why is nothing done about income inequality? Because of this. Why is nothing done? Uh, fill in your blank. School shootings, NRA, it's all money in politics. 